I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Happy game day, everybody. Welcome to Game Quest, VolQuest.com, a game day podcast. I'm Eric Kane, Grant Ramey. It is Tennessee. It is Texas A&M, Saturday, 3.30 Eastern Time. It'll be the CBS kick, and uh, it should be a really, really good game. Grant, we've kind of been going over this all week long. Uh, it feels like by the time you get to game day, it's kind of like, well, what else can you say? But anyway, you want to spin it. Huge game for Tennessee and a game that it needs to take advantage of at home at Neyland Stadium before going on the road for the next two weeks. What is it about bye weeks that make it feel like two weeks is like two months before you get to the next game? Uh, I don't I don't know what it is, but it feels like it's been two months since this team played football uh, on a Saturday. But yeah, Checker Nealon back at home, huge game. One of those swing games that we've talked about all week where you look at the schedule to start the season, you wonder what's going to happen in a game like this and, and how it could change the outlook of your season, not only for Tennessee, for Texas A&M as well, uh, the spot they're in with Jimbo Fisher. So a lot of fun. Uh, excited to see what happens. It feels like a really even matchup. It feels like it's something that's really hard to predict. Like maybe you just give Tennessee the advantage because of home field advantage and, and the way they've played in Knoxville the last couple of years. Uh, but excited to see. The crazy thing is, think about this. Texas A&M officially joined the league before the 2012 season. It's 2023, almost 2024. It's their first trip to Knoxville to play at Neyland in a full capacity setting it's insane to me it's been almost what 12 years and this is the first time because you can't really count COVID. yeah i mean this is only the fourth time these these teams have played you played in 57 you played um that was the gator bowl you played i forgot what the other date was then of course you played in 2016 you played uh in the COVID year so it's been in the league for a while and that's the beautiful thing about conference expansion and kind of how they're going to go away from you know, the traditional, you know, East and West divisions because Tennessee's going to play A&M every other year now. And so that's going to be exciting. And Tennessee's going to play, you know, Oklahoma and, and Texas coming into the league. And Tennessee will play, you know, Ole Miss and Auburn and, and all these teams every other year. And, and it won't be, you know, every six years and every 12 years before you go to each venue. So that's what I'm excited about. But to conclude this last, uh, you know, traditional uh, season of uh, divisions, Texas A&M is coming to uh, Tennessee and Grant, for Texas A&M, I try not to live in trends, but trends are something, right? There's mansions in the desert. I said that a couple of times this week. A&M's not won a true you, – you pointed this out on the on the podcast earlier this week. A&M has not won a true road game since, 21, since 2021 at Missouri. Meanwhile, Tennessee has won 12 straight at home. Um, it kind of sits up pretty well for Tennessee, and, and Tennessee's playing well at home. A&M's not a team that's been going on the road and doing a whole lot of stuff this year. Right. If you can think back to that last loss for Tennessee at home, it was early November 2021 against a Georgia team that I think was ranked number one at the time. I think Bayless Jones scored a touchdown on the opening possession. Tennessee was wearing black uniforms, if I'm not mistaken. If you can remember all the way back there, you have to go back another month to get back to Texas A&M's last true road win. 
and that was at Missouri, 35-24, something like that, in that 2021 season. So it's been a long, long time. Uh, I think if you're a Tennessee fan and you hear those numbers, you you worry about <laughs> don't talk about it because you'll uh, snap both streaks if you do talk about it too much. But, I mean, Texas A&M has won away from home. They've won in Dallas, and they play a neutral site game there every year with Arkansas. So it's not like they haven't won away from Kyle Field. They just haven't won in a true road game. Now, this is a Tennessee team that's been really good at home because they've had really good home field advantages. They've sold out nine straight games. I think Saturday will be number 10 in a row. Um, they get off to fast starts. They play explosive football on the offensive side, so that leads to a lot of crowd noise, a lot of excitement. So it's it's going to be a test of how good can that home field advantage continue to be and how much can Tennessee take advantage of it uh, and how you know, Texas Stadium is going to try to take the air out of the stadium as soon as they can. It's going to be up to Tennessee to keep the crowd in the game, get a fast start, uh, and protect their home field. What's been the biggest storyline this week? Has it been the trends about how A&M's not, not great uh, you know, on true road games, how Tennessee's good at home, or has it been about the uh, insufferable defense from Texas A&M that has started off the season pretty well? Because that's a unit. Um, it went from worst to first so far in terms of rush defense. Uh, in the league, it's the best in, to in total defense in the league through six games. It's you know it, it, there's opportunity in the back end, but this is a defense that's been pretty stout through the front seven uh, so far this season. Yeah, I think that's the biggest storyline. It's it's kind of cliche to say it's a line of scrimmage league, but this is a line of scrimmage league, and this is the prototypical line of scrimmage game because you have a Tennessee offense that runs for two thirty one a game and leads the SEC and is one of the best rushing offenses in the country. And then you have uh, Texas A&M defense that's the best in the one of the best in the country against the run, the best in the SEC against the run, uh, leads the SEC in sacks, leads the SEC in tackles for loss. And, and we really haven't seen that from Tennessee uh, in terms of a test this year because they went to Florida and they only rushed for 100 yards on 30 carries. But that was more so they had that disastrous second quarter and they're down 26 to 7 and they're playing catch up. Uh, and now you're at home and you have this test against one of the best run defenses uh, one of the best defensive fronts, period, in the country. So I'm very interested to see how Tennessee establishes the run, how productive they can be in the run game, uh, how stubborn they are in sticking with it and not ditching it. Uh, and, you know, because Joe, you, they haven't asked Joe Milton to beat a team by himself, basically. Put the offense on his shoulders and go beat a team. Now, if they can't run the ball against Texas A&M, Joe's going to have to go out there and beat them. Uh, and beat them deep and, and, you know, take advantage of some explosive plays and maybe open some stuff up in the run game. But this is a 100% line of scrimmage game because Texas A&M's defensive front and then also Tennessee. They have a lot of sacks and a lot of tackles for loss too, and they're playing a backup quarterback in Max Johnson. How can they get, get to him, uh, get him on the ground because he has made some plays under pressure? Uh, it's going to be about which defensive front has more success, in my opinion. Man, when I go back and I I remember watching that game, of course, Tennessee was on the bye last week, so you got to watch a whole lot of football, and that was fun. But you go back and you look at the stats, you check the box score for Alabama and Texas A&M, and you can't help but see Jalen Milrow, right? 21-33, 321 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, middle of the field was open. You know, Jermaine Burton had a big game. And you couldn't run the football on A&M. A&M couldn't run the football in Alabama. There was not a not not a running football game either way. But Jalen Milrow, who has been attacked about not being able to throw the football down the field, had himself a day. And so I see that. And I understand Milrow's an athlete. And I understand Milrow is polished in terms of being a runner and he knows the offense and all that. But it's still, he struggles through the air. But I see that and I'm saying, okay, well, 
man, if Jalen Milrow can do that on the secondary for Texas A&M, why can't Joe Milton do that? And then I go look at Joe Milton, some of the PFF grades, and I look at some of the, um, you know, for him, the, the, the down the field passing, and these numbers are not good. 20 yards down the field, 8 of 30 on the season, three touchdowns, three interceptions. There's going to be some serious opportunity down the field this week, I feel like, if your front line can hold off A&M and protect Joe Milton. And I think, you know, converting on a play or two of those, you know, one or two of those catches uh, of the Squirrel Whites or the Royal Keatons down the field can really change the course of this game. Um, I, I don't know. I just I saw what Milrow did last week, and I recognize Milrow's a great athlete, but he's not a good passer. And I'm like, whoo, he can do that? Joe Milton certainly can do that. That's just kind of the way I see it. Am I wrong here? No, and, and that's where Tennessee's going to have to take advantage, and that's what Tennessee fans have been waiting on all year now is is those deep balls that you know Joe has the arm strength to take advantage of. You know Heupel has the scheme to get guys open downfield because we've watched it the last two years. Uh, you know Tennessee has the skill and the speed at receiver to run past the defense and, and you know that top-end speed to, to take the top off of a defense. It's just they haven't consistently – been able to take advantage of that there's been moments where you know uh, squirrel has that 50 yard catch against south carolina or there's a, a really nice ball to dante thornton at florida that 43 yard or that 55 yard or to brew on that touchdown at florida in the second half uh, there have been moments we just haven't seen it consistently now if they were able to connect on a few more of those against a&m that changes that game and and you know it's worth the wait because you can probably win this football game if you can do that uh, a few times against this Texas A&M defense and, and take some pressure off of your uh, line of scrimmage in your run game. So we've been waiting on it forever. Uh, it's It's been waiting for it to click. If it, uh, if it clicks against A&M, it could be a game changer. You continue to stay on the line of scrimmage here, and you look at A&M's offensive line, and um, let's see, I got the box score pulled up here. I'm pretty sure – I'm pretty sure Alabama got to A&M like five or six times in that football game. Let's see. I'll check for sure. Sacks. Yeah. Five and a half. One, two, three. Yep. Uh, so 12 sacks on the season. You know, five plus of those came in one game. Um, so it's a little bit skewed in that regard. But Tennessee also has a really nice front. Didn't do a whole lot against Florida, but did really, really well in, in some other games, including in a game against South Carolina two weeks ago. Um, I feel like there's opportunity there to get back into the backfield, make things you know worse for Max Johnson, and, and kind of dictate the play of style of, of, of the game in that regard. Whether that be Tyler Barron, James Pierce, whether that be you know Bryson Eason, Omar Norman, Law, Amari Thomas, any of those guys up front. I just feel like you know with as much talk as A and M coming into this game, you got to protect, got to protect because the defensive line's so good. You know Tennessee's right there as well and can dictate the way this game is played. Yeah, and you're you're playing a backup quarterback in Max Johnson, and, and the numbers for Max Johnson haven't been that bad, but he wasn't the starter uh, for A and M to start the season for a reason. So uh, you have to think you have to take that into consideration. Uh, I think you have to take in consideration Tennessee being the home team when you talk about that stuff, because if they are pre-snap penalties, if you can get Texas A and M behind the chains a little bit in second and longs or first and longs uh, with offsides or whatever, uh, I think noise can be a factor there. Um, get in in those passing situations where it's obvious you got to get 15 yards, uh, and you can kind of pin your ears back a little bit and go get them. And yeah, we've seen it from Tennessee. They're 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 a good defensive front in their own right, based on sacks and tackles for a loss. So uh, being the home team, you got to be able to take advantage of that momentum, the crowd at your back, uh, noise maybe rattling a And M a little bit. Now Max Johnson and Jimbo's talked about it this week has has been able to escape pressure. Uh, and make plays under duress. So you better keep him contained. 
and and you better not only pressure him, but it's almost like we talked about before the South Carolina game. It's not just pressuring Spencer Rattler. It's getting him on the ground. I think it's the same no. thing with Max Johnson. It's not just pressures. It's getting home and, and doing something with it. Uh, we will continue to take a look specifically at the personnel for Texas A&M. Who are some names to watch out for? More on Max Johnson. Uh, keys to a win for Tennessee. Uh, bowl predictions and score predictions. We were pretty close on some bowl predictions in that South Carolina win for Tennessee. All that and more. That's coming up as Game Quest continues. I uh, want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at Price Picks. You go to PricePicks.com. All first-time users that deposit and use the promo code VQ VolQuest VQ is going to receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100. If you deposit $100, Price Picks is going to give you 100. If you deposit 50, they're going to give you 50. How does Price Picks work? Well, you pick two to six players, and if they go more or less than their Price Pick projection you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. So you go to pricepicks.com, uh, you go to the website, it's going to look like this, okay? It's really super simple to use, and you're going to pull up from your little dashboard. You can go any sport you possibly want, college football, NBA, NFL, there's cricket in here, there's soccer, and you kind of click on the players that you want, and you see that total right there, and you're going to say more or less. You know, this uh, demonstration right here has Derrick Henry, Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, of course, he's out for the season, but this is just an example. Josh Allen, and they have totals there, like the 269.5 from Joe Burrow, and we would decide, well, is he going to have more or less than the 269.5? So let's go ahead and play. Let's bring it back home. I've got some totals here, uh, some, some Eric Kane projections here. These are not prize proje projections. The Eric Kane projections for Tennessee and Texas A&M. Joe Milton, let's set it at 242.5. Is Joe Milton going to throw for more or less than 242 and a half yards in a game against Texas A&M? Again, I think there'll be opportunities down the field, but how many of those do you hit on? Because we know he's going to get a lot of those dink and dunk screen passes. I think if Tennessee's going to win, Joe has to go more than 242 and a half. I think it's going to be hard to win a football game with Joe going under 242 and a half against a really good Texas A&M front because – you know, I love Dylan Sampson and, and Jabari Small and Jalen Wright and what Tennessee's done in the run game, but I think it's just going to be tough sledding against this, this A&M defensive front. So uh, if it's going to be a good day for Tennessee, I think Joe has to go over that and hit some of those deep shots and, and open some stuff up for his run game and even hit some of the intermediate stuff more consistently. So we'll go more there. Uh, we just need two more to complete our trade, but we're going to do about five of these. Uh, Jalen Wright, 106 yards and a half, 106 and a half yards we know about this Texas A&M defense. They're giving up, on average, 84 yards on the ground. I'm talking one player hit the century mark. Grant, I'm going to go lower, and that doesn't mean that I think Jalen Wright will have a bad day, but say Tennessee can rush for around 150. There's going to be Jabari Smalls in there. There's going to be Dylan Sampson's in there. Jalen Wright might lead the group with, say, 72 yards. I don't see any of these guys. Hope I'm wrong. It'd be great to see. I don't see any of these guys single-handedly getting to the century mark. So that 106 and a half, I will go less. I'm going less and unless uh, Jalen Wright breaks off something like a 75-yarder because, yeah. like you talked about, they, it's three running backs, three really good running backs, and Tennessee does a good job of splitting the carries up pretty evenly and, and giving everybody opportunities and everybody drives. So. That's no insult to, to Jalen Wright. Tennessee can still win this football game with Jalen Wright being under 100 yards. It's just yeah. a matter of what are they going to do as a unit, and I think it's going to be hard to get over 100 for just one running back. Now, this number might be a little low. Tell me this is a little low, but I think it's a good number. 
Tennessee's de- defensive sacks. Okay, how many sacks will Tennessee get on Texas A&M? I set the number at three and a half. You like more or less three and a half sacks. Now, you know, talking about QB hurries, QB hits, TFLs, need some sacks in there, but is Tennessee going to get more or less than three and a half? Uh, I'm going to go more uh, because Tennessee's tough to beat at home, and Tennessee usually can play with a lead at home. And when you're playing from behind uh, on the road, you're playing catch-up, you're trying to throw the ball down the field, you're trying to uh, get stuff done quickly, and that's going to give Tennessee opportunities to to get after Max Johnson. So I'm going to go more than three and a half. Max Johnson, 300 passing yards. Is he going to be more or less than 300 passing yards at Neyland Stadium on Saturday? Oh, boy. Uh, more. I don't know what Max's numbers look like. I don't know how many times he's gone over 300 in his career. Uh, but like I said, when you play Tennessee, there's usually a lot of points involved, uh, and there's a lot of chasing points. So give me more because of the, the way the game plays out. Now, for his career, I don't know how many times he's been over 300 yards. I'm sure he's been over it. Keep in mind, he was you know bits and pieces of five games. He didn't you know be the starting quarterback truly until right. the last two games. He has not thrown for over 300 yards so far this season. He threw for 239 against Alabama. He threw for 210 uh, against Arkansas. So I'm going to go less. Um, I know that's a small sample size of being the starting quarterback. I understand what you're saying. You're chasing points. You're maybe behind. I'm going to go less, though, from Max Johnson. I don't think Max Johnson will reach the 300-yard plateau. And then let's go to Ramel Keaton. Brew McCoy's out. Squirrel White's awesome. Uh, Dante Thornton, you know, he's, he's one of those uh, injuries we'll have to see about in pregame. Um, somebody's got to step up, right? Is it is it the week where Romel Keaton is going to step up for this Tennessee offense? And if so, will he have more or less than five and a half receptions in this football game? Uh, he's got to have more because he's the guy that you kind of know what you're getting out of him. Um, I, I don't know what Caleb Webb's going to look like on a more full-time basis. I don't know what Chaz Nimrod's going to look like in a bigger role. Um, I, maybe they get tight ends more involved with Brew out. Um, Squirrel White's obviously the deep threat and the guy that can use that top end speed to, to go deep. So I think you got to have that possession guy. And with Brew out, I think that possession shifts more to Ramel. So give me more. So for these Eric Kane projections, 242 and a half passing yards for Milton, we say more. 106, 106.5 rushing yards for Jalen Wright, we say less. Tennessee sacks, three and a half, we say more. Playing at home, you want to win that game, you better have at least. Of four sacks as, a, as part of a team. Max Johnson, passing yards, 300. We will say less, at least I say less. And then Ramel Keaton, receptions, five and a half. We will say more. And you can go to pricepicks.com, do it anything NFL, NBA, college football, and set your two to five players. What those projections are, hit the more or the less button. And, dec- and depending on how they do, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Go to pricepicks.com slash VQ to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Again, that's pricepicks.com slash VQ. More game quest coming up. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We roll on here on a game quest. Texas A&M edition. Tennessee looking to improve to 5-1 and one on the season and 2-1 and one in SEC play. And we know it's very important because Tennessee will hit the road, go to Tuscaloosa. We'll go out to Kroger Field. Uh, in the two weeks that follow before coming back for homecoming. So this is a game when you look at the month of October and when you look at, you know, what your goals are, 9-10 wins, you know, still trying to run the table, beat Georgia, going to Atlanta for the SEC championship one game at a time. I get it. But all that's still in front of you, but you still absolutely need to uh, get this football game. Now, let's look at Texas A&M. Uh, Texas A&M, easy to be the butt of all jokes. You know, last year, 5-7. and seven. Uh, Jimbo Fisher does so much less with so much more that he has compared to everybody else. Um, just kind of is what it is. But they, they've they had a nice little bounce back season. It's not been perfect. You had the loss to Miami, of course, and then you lost to Alabama last week. But if you look at just statistically, defense, I've already noted it a couple of times, w- what a bounce back already. They gave up 208 yards rushing on average last year, leading the SEC this year by giving up only 84 on average so far. <laughs> through six games they lead the sec in total defense allowing only 268 yards of total offense to the opposing offense per game that's first in the sec they give up 19.8 points per game offensively they score 35 points a game they average 420 yards of total offense they run for almost a buck 50 and they throw for 275 so uh, a lot of these have been nice bounce back numbers and i think when we talk offensively and that'll kind of lead us in the conversation of the quarterbacks grant bobby petrino's helped an awful lot it's not been perfect you know, Wagman nor Johnson are going to win Heisman's or anything, but that offense has looked a whole lot better with Bobby Petrino in town, and we thought it could be really good or we thought it could be really bad. So far, it's been a pretty good marriage. Yeah, I mean, you look at this A&M team giving up 48 at Miami and losing that game the way they did, what was that, week two, something early September, yeah. kind of felt like, uh-oh, here goes A&M again. Is this going to be another five-win kind of disaster? And I think they've uh, recovered really well. I think if they – have a little bit more killer instinct last week and, and are able to put Alabama away. I think the conversation around this team is completely different uh, because they had chances in that game. I mean, Alabama committed 14 penalties for a hundred yards and had a couple turnovers and was like four for 12 on third down. I mean, A&M could have pretty easily won that game if they would have just come up with some answers there in the second half uh, and got some stops in the second half. So I think they've rebounded well. And this is a, I mean, we talked about it um earlier in the week on the uh, Monday or Tuesday podcast, whatever day that was, about how this is kind of a fork-in-the-road moment for A&M this season and and maybe for Jimbo moving forward. I mean, this is a very much a swing game for A&M and kind of what they're going to get accomplished this season or what they're not going to get accomplished. And it's always felt like that for Tennessee, too. It was a game that you looked at at the start of the year on the schedule and you kind of circled it as Tennessee's got to take care of business in some of these games if they're going to reach whatever the ceiling is for this team. And I think for Tennessee to still get there, uh, they got to take care of business. They got to keep home field advantage and they got to kind of, I don't know, take care of an A&M team that, that's going to be tough to take care of. Uh, sidebar here, we're talking about the series history, how they, these two teams have only played each other four times. 
mentioned 1957, of course, 2016 and 2020. That other one that I couldn't remember, well, that was the Cotton Bowl that I remember now. Rick Clawson came in and played quarterback oh, yeah. in that football game. 38-7 to Tennessee win in the Cotton Bowl back on New Year's Day 2005. I, I remember that game. Grant was probably uh, covering the team, right? And I was, I was just a no. kid watching it at home. I was in high school. You were probably in diapers. Yeah, so yeah but I do remember that game for sure. Um, you look at Connor Wagman. Of course, he's out for the year. He was completing at 69% nice on the season. Eight touchdowns, two interceptions, almost 1,000 yards. That, that's a pretty good quarterback. I mean, he's a pretty good quarterback. He was on his way to having some really, really good numbers this year. Incepts in Max Johnson, and he is a guy that has started before in this league. Uh, he's a guy that's been there, done that, and really the offense doesn't look – you know, too different from one quarterback to the next. Josh Heupel on Monday was asked about that, and here's what he had to say about Max Johnson and this Texas A&M offense overall under Bobby Petrino. Not, not a ton of difference in them. Uh, both of them were able to extend and, and make plays. I don't think they philosophically have changed uh, what they're doing. Uh, Max is a guy that's played a lot of football. Uh, he's played in a lot of different environments. Um, does a really good job of, of taking care of the football. Um, he has the ability to extend and make plays and throw the football down the field when, when the play breaks down or when he's got pressure on him. And, and uh, so we got to do a great job of matching guys out, out on the perimeter. Uh, well, first of all, I've said it already, they got really good personnel. Uh, quarterback's a smart decision maker. Um, he's able to extend and make some plays with the, his arm, um, but he's always got some balance in, in what he does too. So uh, we got to do a good job in the run game and, and be able to handle um, all the different pass concepts that you're going to see from him. So again, that's the Texas A&M offense that is trying to look to be status quo with Max Johnson, and so far it's been, you know, pretty decent. Sixty-five percent or sixty percent passing, six hundred seventy-five yards, seven touchdowns, two interceptions. You look at the guys he's throwing to. Evan Stewart's been a bit banged up a little bit, but he's a good player. Twenty-seven receptions, four touchdowns. You got Anaya Smith. That's a good player. Twenty-six receptions. Moose Muhammad's a guy to watch out for. Noah Thomas, the second. He's got 11 receptions, four touchdowns on the season. He's got his brother, Jake Johnson, 17 receptions, 136 yards, two touchdowns. I think he'll be a bit of a security blanket for Max Johnson. Uh, and, and then, you know, the run game for AM, it's not been great. You've got LaVon Moss leading the team with 325 yards. Uh, Amari Daniels gets a whole lot of run, no pun intended. He has nearly 60 attempts so far this season. Five-star freshman Ruben Owens, 32 attempts. It's an offense, again, that the numbers look pretty decent. There's nothing spectacular about it. You don't have a spectacular quarterback, but if you continue to get some rhythm and pick up some first downs and wear down the Tennessee defense, it could be problematic. That's why I think you got to continue to disguise some things, bring some pressure, and continue to play well in the front seven where you have, you know, five of the six games so far, or I guess four of the five games so far this season Tennessee has. Get off the field on third down. Uh, nothing takes the stadium, nothing takes the air out of the stadium more than eight. Uh, a couple third down conversions in a row and, and the opposing offense staying on the field and, and just kind of breaking your defense a little bit on that particular drive. So consistently get off the field on third down, consistently keep uh, A&M in kind of behind the sticks and, and something that allows you to really get after the quarterback. I think it's with, both with Max and Joe, I think it's both going to come down to who handles pressure better, uh, who can escape pressure and make plays, uh, keep eyes downfield or run a little bit if you have to run a little bit. Uh, who can handle the pressure that's inevitably going to come from these front defensive fronts? So I want to pull up Max Johnson over here, Pro Football Focus. Again, Pro Football Focus, something, not everything. I pulled up the passes down the field for Joe Milton earlier in the show. I'm going to do this for Max Johnson. 
Remember, he has not been the full-time starter. Um, really, he's only gotten two true starts at quarterback so far this season. So his numbers are you know kind of cut in half compared to Joe Milton, at least in terms of attempts. But he is really good at throwing the deep ball. 20 yards down the field this season, Max Johnson is 7 for 14, which is 50%, 199 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. According to Pro Football Focus, that is a grade of 96.6, which is Whoa. very, very, elite. very much elite. Now, again, you're, you're not going to hit all your passes. You never are, especially down the field. But 50% of that range, 7 of 14 for four touchdowns and 200 yards, it's pretty solid. Intermediately, you know, 10 to 19, not a whole lot of attempts for Max Johnson so far. 7 to 12, he's got a touchdown, no interceptions, and he's got 109 yards. Much like Joe Milton, a lot around the line of scrimmage. 30 of 38 on passes within 10 yards, 10 of 7 on passes, or 7 of 10 on passes behind the line of scrimmage. So, again, he's not super accurate, but one of his traits and one of the things he does well is throw the ball down the field. Now, if you're Tennessee, go get after him. Or if you're Tennessee in the back end, continue to play well and go get that football. If you're, um, you know, if you're if you're Kamal Haddon, if you're Danico Slaughter or Gabe Judy Lawley. Better tackle well. Uh, it's going to be a test, sounds like, for linebackers uh, in that uh, short passing game, that stuff around the line of scrimmage. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a test for uh, Beasley, Aaron Carter, Elijah Herring, T. Lander, if he gets some uh, more snaps in this game like he did against South Carolina. And, yeah, in the back end, you better be deepest, deeper than the deepest guy, uh, if that's still something they say, like they've said back in my day playing football. You better be deeper than the deep, uh, deepest guy and keep everything in front of you because if he's that good throwing the ball down the field, it's going to be easy to get beat deep. You better uh, keep an eye on that because that's another thing. Um, that that sucks the life out of a stadium is is a big explosive play from from the opposing offense. So keep everything in front of you, and you better tackle well. And Tennessee's kind of given up some of those explosive plays this year: sixty plus run at Florida, a forty five plus run or forty two yard run against AP's quarterback on fourth down, um, and, and your, a couple your, other ones. Your guy, uh, your guy Mario Anderson, seventy five yards untouched after what did Tennessee do on the play before that was that the pick six maybe I can't remember. No, it was the you had the pick six, and then you went to halftime. You came back out. Tennessee scored on its first possession. That's right. That's right. That's and then right. the first time that um, I about said Newberry, the first time that South Carolina touched <laughs> the football, Anderson uh, just took it took it to the house, seventy five yards. So again, limit those big plays. You're gonna you're gonna give one up. That's football, right? But limit right. those big plays for sure. Look at the Texas A&M defense. Mention how it's really good against the run overall. It's been really solid so far in total yards. You know, nineteen points per game. Yada yada. Twenty six sacks which is already more. They had 19 sacks overall in 2022, 26th through, uh, through six games. So, yeah, uh, so some big-time improvements, 57 TFLs. Tennessee and Texas A&M don't force a whole lot of turnovers. That That is one thing. They only have three interceptions and I think two forced fumbles on the season so far, so five uh, turnovers forced. Good linebacker play. Edrian Cooper and uh, Torian York, both really, really good linebackers of the second layer. Uh, Cooper leads the team in tackles, six sacks, 12 TFLs. Uh, you look at up front, Walter Nolan, a guy that all Tennessee fans are very familiar with. Um, he's having a good year. Let's see, Big Walt's got four sacks, 22 tackles. And, and then you kind of work yourself back to the secondary where, again, there's some opportunity. Um, thought they'd have more help at cornerback. There, there's some injuries there that you know, haven't seen some of those guys breaking in some, some new guys back there. But I think for Tennessee – because of that front seven, because of that front four, you, you're you're going to stay with the game plan. If you're going you're going to continue to throw those screen passes, throw those screen passes. But again, you're going to get one on one matchups. 
man-to-man coverage down the field. Can Joe Milton hit some of those? I think who's going to win this game is going to be whichever quarterback plays better. I know that is just a scorching hot take. You know, whoever (laughs) has the quarterback that plays better is going to win the game. But I think the reason A&M or Tennessee is going to win this game is going to be because of the quarterback. So, you know, for Milton, especially if, like, Tennessee can run the ball, but it's not, like, the dominating running style. Like, say Tennessee gets – 140 yards and it's just it's tough sledding i mean it's hard-nosed football um they got to respect it but it's not they have it boomed then joe mm-hmm. moton go hit you a few and, and maybe that's the reason you win this football game yeah i think it's for tennessee it's offensively it's going to be a lot of rhythm i think uh, or the importance of establishing a rhythm it's going to be really hard to consistently run at this texas a&m defense so how how can you go out wide and get your running backs involved or how can you go out wide and get your wide receivers involved how can you uh, get the, the, the smaller plays where it's just a few yards here and there to kind of set you up for maybe a deep shot uh, down the field and, and trying to scheme somebody open uh, behind the A&M secondary. So I think what you don't want early, obviously, is quick three and outs and, and struggling to establish rhythm. I mean, we've seen that before with Joe at quarterback. you got to avoid that. You're at home. you gotta you got to move the chains. you got to stay on the field. you got to initiate some rhythm and, and, and move the football down the field and, and get some points on the board and kind of settle in a little bit and then go from there. I, I don't know how many yards since he's going to run for. It's going to be tough, whatever they do. Uh, how how can they get those guys involved otherwise in the pass game, whatever, and set up those deep shots? And when you do get those deep shots, you 100% got to take advantage. Can't be missing guys down the field. Can't be, you know, not on the same page with your receivers. Receivers not on the same page with their quarterbacks, whatever the case may be. Yeah, and again, I've referenced those numbers about down the field passing for Milton all week long. Like, I mean, hear me out here. Like, I mean, Milton needs to be better. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, boy, there's been some drops. There's been right. some bad routes. There's been some miscommunication. Again, that's football. But at the end of the day, you see that stat with Milton. It's 8 to 30. It's like, man, come on. Like, that's that's got to get better. But, again, one or two of those catches can make it all the difference. I mean, Ramel Keaton was so wide open. Nobody was within 25 yards of him against Virginia. That was right. a pass from the 20-yard line on the left hash to the opposite 20 on the right hash. Just a beautiful ball. And he just drops it. I mean, again, that was a long time ago. But uh, point being, you're right. Whether that's receivers, whether that's you know quarterback, figure it out. Connect on some of those. Go win this football game. Um, on that running the football and the difficulties there, Josh Heupel was asked about um, the game plan, the emphasis on running the football against Texas A&M and why it is so difficult to do that. Here's Josh Heupel on uh, running the football against Texas A&M. Yeah, they're good at stopping the run. They're good at getting after the quarterback too. Um, you know, uh, First of all, they got really good skill. Um, and when I say that, I'm talking about their big skill up front, too. Um, they're physical, they're dynamic, they're thick, uh, they play strong, they're multiple up, up front. Um, they've created a bunch of negative yardage plays in, in the run game. And uh, that's given them the ability to go get after the quarterback, uh, second and long, third and long, too. So uh, you got to do a great job in communication. Um, you got to win some one on ones when you're in a, a one on one. Your double team's got to be good enough to, to change the way the, the line of scrimmage looks, too. So, um, big test for us uh, up front and, and across the board offensively. So, with Tennessee, it is Texas A&M, Saturday, 3.30, checkered kneeling. If you're going to, the, uh, going to the game, make sure you are wearing the appropriate orange or the white shirt. But uh, we'll be in the press box. Not wearing Tennessee gear. I always find it funny when people say, well, why don't you guys wearing Tennessee gear? You know what we will um, be wearing? Uh, jackets. Thick jackets. Because... It's the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field in that press box every single week. Is this the week where I start being professional? I'll wear, wear some of those bird dog slacks up there to the press box and not shorts? Yeah. Are they are they insulated? How thick are they? Do they come with a blanket? <laughs> That's my question. 
if you i used to sit on like the third row up there and like you're not as cold but you sit up there next to that window yeah it gets a little, it gets a little icy for sure all right tennessee and texas a&m let's get into our score predictions and our bowl predictions grant give me your score prediction and then give me a bowl prediction keep in mind no pressure you and i both were yeah, pretty much on. spot on before we get to texas a&m we need to look back at the freakish accuracy that almost happened with South Carolina because your pick was what my bold prediction was Kamal Haddon would get an interception and I even said I'm not saying a pick six which is what happened but I was like he's going to get an interception and it's going to be against South Carolina and it's going to be funny so that was my bold prediction and mine was I threw out the most random number in my head 232 yards rushing and I had completely forgotten about it until the final series I think somebody put on our board or tweeted or something like they're at 232 yards rushing. And it was the, not the last play of the game. Uh, the the second to last play of the game, they were on 232 and they hand it to Jabari, I think on that last play of the game. And he gets six yards mm. and he ruins it for me. Forget Mario Cristobal, not taking a knee. Josh Heupel, take a knee, man. <laughs> 232 yards on. If I would have, if I would have hit that on the dot, I never would have made another prediction again in my life. That would have been it. I would have been going out on top. Well, as you should, but keep in mind, if Josh Hopper would have taken a knee, that would have been a, a minus two loss team. That's true. That's also so, true. So, you know, you, you would have went down the 230, but still. I needed the game to end somehow on that on that snap before the last snap somehow. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Needed some mustard bottles being thrown down for the stands and, and just go ahead and say, <laughs> hey, let's, let's, let's up a wrap there. Um Give me a score prediction. What do you think, Tennessee? And, um, of course, we had score predictions out there on on the site yesterday. Give me your score prediction and give me a bold prediction this week that we're going to be paying attention to. I'm going to go Tennessee 38, uh, A&M 30. Um, it feels like a coin flip kind of game, but I think Tennessee, because they're the home team, gets the benefit of the doubt. I need to see Tennessee struggle at home and lose a home game before I'm going to be like, you know what, they're going to lose this game. Maybe it's a different story in November against Georgia. But when it feels like a pretty even matchup, I think you have to give the advantage to Tennessee because of what we've seen from them at home the last couple of years. Bold prediction, uh, I think Dylan Sampson over 100 total yards. Um, I don't know what the split's going to be, but they need to get him involved in the pass game as well to, to get some of those chunk plays that we've seen out of him. Uh, and two touchdowns as well from Dylan. So over 100 yards, total yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, that Utah pass, I think, can go this week because right. they love yes. that Utah pass to Dylan Sampson. And because that front seven is so aggressive and, and kind of lives on the other sideline of scrimmage, Utah pass would be perfect for big chunks. But right. they, they've watched film. They, they, they know that that's something they like to do with Dylan Sampson, so we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I'll stick with the 35-28, just a, a very boring football score. But um, I like Tennessee to win. I like this game to hit the over, despite everybody hammering the, the under 55-and-a-half, which – I mean, guys, college football in 2023, you would take right. a Tennessee win 17 to 14. That's just not going to happen in my opinion. But again, if it does, you take it. Um, give me, give me 35, 28. I, again, I, I'm not a huge trends guy, but I just, I look at it and Tennessee's played so well at home and A&M has not played great in true road environments the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm, I'm really leaning into that. Um, so I like Tennessee 35, 28 and, and give me, I think Hubbard said it earlier in the week and I'm sure it'll be in his 10 things. I think, I think A&M's given up a couple of big time kick returns this year. Now, I don't think for touchdowns, but they, they, they've been gapped a couple of times and, and, and have given up, you know, some really good starting field position to the other team. 
Give me Williams or Cam Seldon. Maybe Cam Seldon is kind of that up back back there. Big time kick return. Maybe not a touchdown, but given getting Tennessee started on the plus 40. You know, getting Tennessee started on the plus 35. That would be huge. You know, Tennessee, I think if Tennessee scores over 30 points, 35, 40 points, maybe one of those scores comes from great field position from special mm-hmm. teams or maybe a defensive turnover, giving Tennessee a short field. So um, that's kind of maybe that's not too bold, but I, I have special teams impacting the game in a big way. And give me give me D Williams or Cam Seldon on kick return, kind of a, a, a lost art in today's football game. It's it's easy to forget D Williams had that return that he had against South Carolina because they wiped it off. But that was a really really good return. I mean, that was probably one of his best at Tennessee. Yeah, he's dynamic. Um, you know, we'll see. Maybe if he gets some some run at, at you know on on offense in this football yes. game, we'll see. Please. Uh, it's been it's been kind of quiet over the bye week. I know we put that Instagram story out there, and I know that we kind of mentioned it, I think, a, a week ago. But if he does, I mean, don't expect 10 targets a game. It's going to be like maybe they look at him a time or two, you know. Right. But he, he's just too dynamic not to have the ball in his hands. So I feel uh, like Christian it's Co- uh, I feel like it's 10 years ago, and we're talking about Gerald Jones or how many – that was probably more than 10 years ago. The G-Gun back in the day when they are trying to get him involved on offense. I don't know if you're – Gosh, I even remember yet. that. Yeah, that was forever ago. That was maybe like 15, closer to 20 years ago. I don't know. I'm aging myself all the time. That was forever ago. All right. Going to be a big-time game. We'll have all the coverage leading up to it during and after. That is at VolQuest.com. He is Grant Raymond. I'm Eric Kane. Guys, we appreciate you as always for tuning in to GameQuest. It is a VolQuest game day podcast.